Welcome back to Insight on CAP Radio. I'm Beth Ruyak. Joe Biden won the South Carolina Democratic primary on Saturday. Bernie Sanders was second. Tom Steyer and then Pete Buttigieg have pulled out of the race. So the stage is set for California voters and a very big, very interesting Super Tuesday. Ken Rudin, the political junkie, is joining our CAP Radio news team for election coverage this week. He's in the studio with us today on Insight. Ken, it's just wonderful to welcome you back to Sacramento. You thought I was taller, didn't you, in person? (laughs) Yeah, and it's sad. You know, when we sit, we're all the same size, aren't we? (laughs) There's truth to that. (laughs) So let's talk about California voters. If they cast their ballots already in early voting and voted for one of the two candidates who dropped out, that's, that's just how it goes. That's absolutely true. And you still have the opportunity to vote for Pete Buttigieg and Tom Steyer on many of these Super Tuesday states because they are on the ballot. So while they're not going to stay in the race, obviously, and their delegates are up for grabs, shall we say. But, you know, Pete Buttigieg could add to his his delegate count, which is, you know, I look, the funny part about this whole thing is that we have spent so much time on Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada and South Carolina. Total is 155 delegates. On tomorrow alone, there's 1,345 delegates at stake with 415 out of California. Tomorrow is big. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, tomorrow is huge for deciding the Democratic nominee. So Pete Buttigieg has delegates. And like you said, that pot might grow. Even Tom Steyer has a few. What? happens to those delegates? It depends state by state. Usually they go to the conventions uh, uh, uncommitted. But of course, in Iowa, there's a multi-level process where you go from the precinct caucuses to the county conventions to the state convention. So those delegates can move around as they want. Most of them, once the candidate drops out of the race, for example, if Pete Buttigieg endorses Joe Biden, and that is the guess among many people these right now, um, those delegates presumably would go along with Joe Biden, but that's not set in stone. Bernie Sanders might have been making a pitch for those delegates pretty seriously to California voters. We found a little bit of um, some comment he made last night after an impromptu press conference. So he was asked about Pete Buttigieg pulling out of the run for the presidency. And here's what Bernie Sanders said. I want to congratulate him for running a brilliant campaign. Uh, He is the first openly gay candidate for president of the United States. I need it extraordinarily well. Uh, And tonight, I just want to welcome all of his supporters into our movement uh, and to urge them to joining us in the fight for real change in this country. All right. How likely Pete voters going to Bernie Sanders? Well, who knows? But the question the, the the fact is, is that Buttigieg out of the race certainly hurts Bernie Sanders, because what Bernie Sanders has had taken advantage of is that there are many so-called moderate candidates. I mean, moderate in the in the way you want to call moderates. I mean, I don't know what moderate means anymore, but at least not the Bernie Sanders revolution type candidate. So when you have Pete Buttigieg and Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden and the others and Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren in the race, it seems like it's Bernie Sanders versus the field. One less moderate helps Joe Biden or whomever uh, rallies around these so-called moderate voters and hurts Bernie Sanders. That's why he's obviously wants to reach out to them, uh, to him, but so does everybody else. 
I mean, I know that Buttigieg spoke to Joe Biden yesterday, and I'm sure, although I don't know it for a fact, that Joe Biden asked for his support. That could happen at one point, but the fact is, is that those delegates are very valuable now, and the Pete Buttigieg support is very valuable right now. What kind of brokering might happen behind the scenes? This subject came up when Kamala Harris pulled out, and now with Pete Buttigieg, could there be conversations where perhaps joining a ticket prompts someone to pull out of the race? Well, no. I mean, you mean like like saying, if you get out, I'll give you vice president. First of all, my gut tells me that what's startling about this race is that we, once upon a time, way, way back in 2019, we had 24 <laughs> candidates with women and and, and people of color. And, it was and, a diverse field. It was a very diverse field. Now you have the front runners are three White men in their 90s. No, of course, they're not in their 90s, but uh, but Bernie Sanders is, is 78, Joe Biden is 77, Michael Bloomberg is 77. These are not what the Democratic Party expected, uh, but the fact is, look, let's not count out Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren, but a lot is riding on Super Tuesday for them as well, because right now there's a new poll in Massachusetts shows Bernie Sanders leading Elizabeth Warren there, and that's bad news for Warren. I suspect that Amy Klobuchar will win in Minnesota, but how long does she stay in the race? Her appeal, as with Pete Buttigieg, among, P- of, of, among voters of color, did not materialize the way she would like. And again, that's one other person who might be listed on a potential ticket, uh, whomever the Democratic nominee is. If Ken Rudin sounds terrific today, it's because (laughs) (laughs) he's in the studio. We're having this conversation face to face. He's joining our election coverage team. It's so exciting. I know. The big Super Tuesday, California fitting into that mosaic. You know, the whole move for California to march was with all kinds of anticipation. Then that seemed to flatten. Now California has a very interesting piece to the puzzle again. That's exactly right. Once upon a time, we were talking about how California moving up early would help Kamala Harris. Of course, that didn't happen. And I don't know what happened to Kamala Harris, but that campaign never took off. California is huge. And um, we've talked about instances in the past where California primaries made a big deal, uh, a big difference. When Barry Goldwater beat Nelson Rockefeller in 1964, that was a big primary victory for Goldwater, probably won him the nomination. When Bobby Kennedy won California in 1968, that tragic, awful day that every time I think of that day, I... I just shiver because it's just so tragic and awful. But that could have been made a difference had Bobby Kennedy not been assassinated moments later. The fact is California has made a difference in the past, but moving up early when these nominations are settled earlier than ever, California could be, play a big role, especially uh, with, with its diverse diverse population and African-Americans and Latinos and union workers. It's like Nevada and South Carolina put together, but 10 times as large because you have the same uh, similar demographics, but much more power, a potent power of uh, uh, strength. So the key storyline for Joe Biden in South Carolina was the African-American vote. And in fact, he had 60 percent, I believe, in according to exit polls, compared to Bernie Sanders, only 17 percent of the African-American vote. You bring that same contest to California. Bernie Sanders has huge strength in the Latino vote here. And that could flip the results. 
you know what's 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 amazing about this race, and 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 you know when we're talking off off the air, I mean I can't hold my excitement because uh, because there's so much change going on. Not long ago, we were writing off Joe Biden. He finished uh, like fourth in in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire, and people said, "Why are we considering him the front runner?" And he always said, "Don't worry, uh, my constituency is in South Carolina, as was Barack Obama's in 2008, as was Hillary Clinton's." In 2016, both candidates very powerful with African-American voters. Black voters uh, are very significant in determining who the Democratic nominee will be. And suddenly we're talking about Joe Biden as the alternative to Bernie Sanders. If not, One person told me yesterday that he could see him as the nominee. There are more and more endorsements coming in. This morning, Tammy Duckworth, uh, the senator from Illinois, endorsed him. A few days ago, Tim Kaine, the senator from uh, Virginia, Hillary Clinton's running mate from 2016, endorsed Joe Biden. So South Carolina did several things. One, it brought back the, the, the candidacy of Joe Biden, but it also made it, made it consolidate. The, the so-called moderate vote is consolidating perhaps around Joe Biden. And if that's the case, then it's going to be Bernie versus Biden uh, through the rest of the uh, campaign trial. Earlier, you made the phrase one less moderate in the field, uh, part of what you were talking about. And I'll just spin that and say we have one less billionaire in the field, too, with Tom Steyer out. We can't talk about tomorrow without talking about Mike Bloomberg. It's the first big test for him. It's the only it's the first test at all because he has not been on any ballot. Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. He was not invited. He, he had a very risky, interesting strategy. He was going to start his campaign on Super Tuesday on March 3rd. We'll see if it pay, uh, pairs, uh, 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 pays off. The, the problem for Bloomberg is that he was his, his entry into the race was always predicated on the fact that Biden was going to collapse, that it was a, he was a paper tiger, that he was not as strong as people thought because he was the loyal vice president for eight years. Now that Biden is showing renewed strength, again, I don't want to go crazy about Biden because, look, we were writing him off after Iowa and New Hampshire. Suddenly, he's, the, he's going to save the Democratic Party in South Carolina. There's a lot to be determined here. But the fact is, Biden, we don't write his obituary just yet. And if he is gaining, which I think he is, that has to hurt Michael Bloomberg, even though I think Bloomberg's campaign uh, commercials are amazingly effective. Everyone seems very, very effective. But we learned in the last two debates, there's a difference between Michael Bloomberg in the commercials and Michael Bloomberg in the debate stage. And that's, that, that could hurt him down the line. You are going to spend a couple days here in California and see what Mike Bloomberg commercials are oh, all yeah. about. I promise you, the amount of commercials airing and the, the paper mailers and everything else for Bloomberg here are going to be a lot different than what you see in the Washington, D.C. But area. I will tell you one thing, though. I, last night, a day after he dropped out, I saw a Tom Steyer commercial. Yes. And I posted that on Facebook, and people said, oh, I'm seeing Buttigieg and Steyer commercials yeah. all the time. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Can I talk about Texas quickly? Please. Because some people speculate that Texas is going to be blue in a couple more election cycles. But outside of California, I think people should watch Texas and what happens there. There's so much at stake here. I think the 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 the, the uh, description of Texas as turning blue is premature. I think the demographics there are changing. I think Hillary Clinton ran closer uh, to uh, uh, Donald Trump in Texas than many uh, Republicans thought. I thought that Beto O'Rourke coming close to uh, Ted Cruz in the Senate race was much closer than people thought. But it's not there yet. Having said that, after California's four 
415 delegates. Texas has 218 delegates. Many of them in Latino. Latino voting strength is very potent in Texas, which could be good news for Bernie Sanders. It'll be very interesting to see how Biden, once left for dead, uh, affairs in these big states. North Carolina's right after that. 110 delegates in North Carolina, again, with a sizable African-American population. Everyone listening to this conversation who is a fan of and plans to vote for or did vote for Elizabeth Warren is saying, when are you going to talk about Elizabeth Warren? And I think it's hard for people to imagine her suspending her campaign, but tomorrow is going to say a whole lot about her effort nationally. You know something, I don't know how, again, once upon a time we were talking about Elizabeth Warren as the front runner. She was leading in the national polls. It seems like when there was a uh, a battle with the Bernie Sanders of whether a woman could win. A, I think that changed. Ev- it did every bit of momentum. That in question her campaign. is out there. So many people I've spoken to who who like Elizabeth Warren, and there are a lot of people I know who really really like Elizabeth Warren. They say I'm still going to vote for. Her. I'm absolutely going to vote for. Her, but I know a lot of people who won't because they think a woman can't win. Mm-hmm. Once you keep saying that over and over again, it's self fulfilling. But there was never. A, a, a two-lane highway for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, in my view. They appeal to most of the same constituency, even though one big difference is Bernie's a socialist, Elizabeth is a capitalist, and she said it over and over again. I think she's very good in the uh, debates. I think she spent more time on Bloomberg than Bernie that she probably needed to because I think it's Bernie Sanders who's blocking her. But if she loses big, and again, I'm not saying she will. I'm just going by what polls, what polls I've seen. If Elizabeth Warren fails to do well in her home state of Massachusetts, where does she win? Where, where does she outpoll Bernie Sanders in the other states and the succeeding states down the line? So there are a lot of questions that she and Amy Klobuchar, who again— has has had very good debate performances. She did let Pete Buttigieg get under her skin two debates ago, but she's been very effective and a very optimistic candidate. I'm wondering if voters are just so angry they don't want optimism. They don't want Buttigieg and smiles. They don't want Klobuchar's smiles. They're angry. They're angry at Trump. They're angry at the moderate wing of the party. There's a lot of anger out there. Uh, and, uh, and I... God help this. God save this country for the next ten months because it's going to be, it's going to be nonstop battling through November third. We are thirty minutes into the show, and that was the first time the word Trump has been spoken through conversations about COVID nineteen as well as politics. But for people who were Trump supporters, some of those who were Obama voters who moved over, tomorrow is a very important day too, because the movement of Trump supporters either to stay with him or go against him is a significant factor in this election. It is people are forgetting that. First of all, while the Democrats are eating their own, the Trump campaign is very cleverly and smartly organizing and holding rallies in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in in Florida, the states that both candidates who want to win in November need to carry those states. Plus the fact that we always talked about Bill Weld, the former governor of Massachusetts, or, or uh, you know, uh, Mark, Mark Sanford who dropped out. But Bill Weld is the former governor of Massachusetts trying to appeal to never-Trump Republicans in these primaries 
Trump owns this party. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party. Talk about what Mitt Romney and, and John McCain and George W. Bush used to mean to the party. Even Ronald Reagan, that's so in the past. This is Trump's party. He has huge numbers uh, of support within his party. And again, he's going to do very, very well. I mean, it's not going to be, every, you know, we talk about, well, maybe there's going to be a, a rise up of people disaffected. On the Republican side, especially in Congress, there are very few, if any, disaffected Republicans. All right. You're in your stride here in Sacramento. Ken, it's great to have you in studio. I'm glad you'll be with us all the way through till we get results on Wednesday. Once we go off off the air today, I'll still be talking about this. I can't stop. <laughs> That's actually true. You talk to yourself all the way down. It's sad. Down it's sad. All right. Ken Rudin, the political junkie in Sacramento. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Beth. Back on Insight with us tomorrow. Up next, we're going to focus on the District 8 City Council seat in Sacramento. You're listening to Insight on Cap Radio.